Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amado. Tonight, I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, minority side in parliament continues to boycott sittings, frustrating the work of the House plus the work of government. The majority side is livid. Also coming up... Two persons sustained injuries after land guards allegedly hired by the Asokori Mampon Municipal Assembly clashed with woodworkers in the Akwetia Line market. And later on Eyewitness News, the trial of Asin North MP James Jachikwesin to continue. This is according to the High Court, which says there is nothing restraining and preventing it from carrying out the hearings as it has been planning to do. Stay with 97.3 CTFM. For more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News and in business, Bank of Ghana commences meetings to access economy ahead of the announcement of the next monetary policy rate. That's in 15 minutes from the business desk of uh, CTFM and CDTV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the Savannah region on Kasha 99.5 FM in Damongo, in the Volta region on Sela Radio 97.1 in Dabala. In the Ashanti region on Orange 107.9 and Focus 94.3 FM, both in Kumasi. In the Western region on Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. We also live in the Northeast region on Nobia FM 98.1 in Nalerugo. We are in the Northern region on North Star Radio 92.1 in Tamale. We are also live on Rikas 92.1 FM in Bongo Namu, that's in the Upper East region. We are in Jirapa on Jirapa 96.1 FM and uh, Tumpani Radio 88.5 FM in Nadoli, both of them in the Upper West region. Eyewitness News is live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook and uh, we are interactive on Twitter. We are on citynewsroom.com, citynewsroom, that's a hashtag, tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City. Nine seven three. Let's settle for details of our stories now. There are two members of parliament, actually three, from the NP- NDC side who are standing trial. Alhaji Collins Dauda is facing criminal prosecution over his alleged role in the Saglimi housing project. He is member of parliament for Isutifi South. The honorable member of parliament for Ejumako Inyanesim, uh, who is a minority leader, is standing trial over the purchase of an ambulance by the Ministry of um, Finance at a point in time for Ghana. Then James Jachikwesin is also standing trial. He's MP for Asin North. He's standing trial for allegedly lying on oath, which is called perjury, and also forging documents. Those are the three MPs from the NDC side who are standing trial. The block of the minority, that's the NDC side, has decided that for as long as they are in court, it will, the members of that side will not show up in parliament. This appears to be frustrating the work 
of the House. Now, the House is led by the majority leader and MP for Swami, Oseche Mensah He works with a team of lieutenants, one of them being the minority majority chief, with beg your pardon, who is MP for Sawam Adrejre. He is really concerned. The Honorable Frank Arnold Dompre, he's joined us on the line tonight to have a conversation on this matter because uh, he believes that the minority is blowing hot and cold. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, my brother. Long time. Yeah, long time no here. You are busy, busy, busy doing campaigns and doing other things. So all the projects you are commissioning in your constituency, we've been watching you on Twitter, small, small. I hope all things are yeah. well in the constituency. Oh, by his grace, we are doing the work of God. And that most importantly also, projecting what we believe in, and that is the DMB story. You you started the DMB agenda by by praying that Alan Tremartin becomes running mate to Dr. Baumia. It appears that has fallen in water, so you have stuck your neck out. You are busily campaigning straight off now. Well, um, I think we can have that discussion on some other day, but <laughs> my resolve and my decision to support uh, Dr. Baumia is on a principal position, and it's something that I will probably have time to espouse on it more or elucidate on it more on some other time. Very well. Uh, I, I thought we could just talk about that briefly. And even your constituency, um, hearing that they are going to build 10 lanes uh, dual carriageway to your constituency, that should be interesting. Uh, I don't know whether we will see it soon because projects, they're usually, the promise is big, but as to whether it to be delivered. I hope things are going well about clearing people, the, the compensation paid to people living along that road, and before we see the dualization of the Akrakumasi Road. How is that progressing? Because it's going through your constituency. I think there has been the recorded steady progress. Um, I recall somewhere, I think about six months ago, uh, the project stalled for these court actions. But uh, as of now, I think uh, things are clear and the project is, is steadily moving. Uh, they've gone beyond Amasaman, they've entered into Sawam, they've gone beyond the interjection, uh, intersection at um, Blue Skies, and they're heading towards the, um, the Kumasi Road. So I think it's moving smoothly, and uh, uh, we are only hoping that things will matter until it happens, and it moves as expected. I'm very confident that it will happen. And I must commend uh, Maripoma and their leadership uh, for the regular engagement that is, they've, they've reached out to all the MPs that uh, are concerned. Amasama MP, Junabu uh, Fifa, Junabu Moses Endim, and my, and my, my good self, we've engaged uh, them on a regular basis. So as we speak, things are clearer than before. And so we, we wish and hoping to to get it done as planned. Very well. Wish you all the best. Let's talk about the main item on discussion now, which has to do with the work of parliament. How has the minority boycott affected the work of the House? Okay. Well, let me answer you in this way. First of all, you, as you know, uh, we have the, the House in the middle of two sides. Okay. And both of us have worked together. Uh, smoothly, at least certain things have been smooth until uh, the sudden decision of our colleagues. But to put on record, we have not complained. We, on the side of uh, the majority, we have not complained about their decision. Uh, there have been individual appeals, 
reconsider their decision. So uh, even though we would have expected that we work together as we normally do, um, it is not something that we are we are out there complaining and complaining about. So today, uh, typical of us, we came and we go win that they were not going to come because I spoke to my counterparts who had indicated that, okay, based on their position earlier mid-noon, they will be going to court. So we understood. And then business had, uh, we started business as normal. Two ministers uh, programmed to answer questions. Papers were being laid and statements were made, if you recall. Um, the Minister of our great Honorable uh, Brandy Champion was scheduled to come and brief the House together with other ministers on the national buffer stock uh, and concerns that have come up. So all went through steadily, okay? Then we adjourned to tomorrow. Then, you know, intermittently, we also picked up signals that our colleagues were participating in committee meetings. First committee was the local government committee, and I took time to, to follow, and I got it confirmed. Then on the public account committee, and they had they participated in these uh, engagements of two committees of parliament. And as you know, parliamentary committee sitting is an extension of parliament. It, it is not different from parliament, per se. So the begging question, my brother, is that why would you boycott the chamber, and yet you want to participate on or in a referral or on a matter that the speaker has referred to a committee to delve in and also to report to the same chamber that you are boycotting. We find that lopsided, and we think that it's on the principal position. And we felt that the Honorable Akufosa, uh, my good friend, the minority leader, the respected minority leader, may have to explain to Ghanaians why they will boycott the chamber and yet will participate in, in the committee meeting. There are compelling reasons you come and tell us, okay? Because we respect their position, even though we find it unattainable, and not right, okay, because you were given a chronology of um, members who have been arraigned before court and you were mentioning names. But let's also make it abundantly clear that the three arms of government work independently, even though they work in sync, they work independently. And therefore, if there's a matter before the judiciary, Regardless, if it is involved in a member of parliament or somebody, somebody who is part of the executive, it, we should respect the independence of the judiciary. And therefore, there are due process if we have reasons to, 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 to be angry or not to be, uh, to be worried about the procedure and all that. There are defined uh, approaches that can be adopted. And this is the first time a member of parliament, with respect to our colleagues, and I, I respect them. You know, the first time a member is being arraigned before court. So why would you pick and choose and say that, okay, committee meetings, I'll participate in it, and yet the chamber will not show up? We feel that it's not a, a principal position, and they may have to um, give, give some reasons why they would do what they are doing, because, uh, my friend, our colleagues should also get a fundamental fact that they were voted to represent some group of people or some constituencies. Okay, so... You cannot say that I uh, committee meetings I will attend, but the chamber I will not attend. That is not right. And we are beginning to ask some fundamental questions. That what is it about committees that will attend, but they will not attend the chamber? We found that quite flawed. And we were really sure when we found them 
populating committee rooms and participating, actively participating in the works of the committee. So um, they still, they, we will still give them the benefit of the doubt that they have to come to the chamber. That is their role as legislators who have been elected by their people. And therefore, they have no business to say that I won't come to the chamber and yet I'll participate in committee meetings. That is not right. Why do you think they choose the committees over the plenary? Well, I don't want to hazard any guess. Probably you should. Uh, but what's, 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 what's your suspicion? Because, well, suspicion is not tenable. First of all, it is not right. It is not right. I don't see how one can justify attendance of committee meetings with an, is an extension of parliament and yet failing to 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 come to the chamber. Let, let me let me offer a help then. Maybe maybe the time the committees were sitting, the court proceedings or court sitting was over, so they could return to come and engage in that. Because mind you, they have not boycotted parliament in its entirety. They just said. On days that their colleagues will be in, in court, they would also follow them to the court. Maybe they finished with court and uh, came to meet the committee sitting and they had to take part. Okay, so again, you are saying maybe. I followed up. I followed and I checked. I checked, okay. The time the committee uh, meeting was ongoing, I think the court was also ongoing. We hear they divided themselves and some said, okay, we'll go to the we'll go to committee meeting. Some others who go to the court, which we find is strange. We find it very strange. So all put together, I'm saying that they must come and justify why they will go to committee meetings and yet will not come to the chamber. But we are not complaining. If this is what they think is right, this is how, how best they can serve the Ghanaian people who voted them to come to parliament and represent them. So be it. Let them go on that tangent. But the good people of this country are so wise are so intelligent that they would demand answers from them. And when the day of reckoning comes, they should not point accusing fingers at anybody. It is their own doing that is going to cost them. So the decision lies in their court, and we will look up to them for them to do what is right. We'll look up to them for them to do what is responsible as people have been elected and people have been paid by taxpayers' money to serve. Okay, Honorable. Now, the issue would have to do with the solidarity they are engaging in. Does it not make sense? You are the majority whip. Um, your duty is to whip all your MPs' colleagues into doing one thing or another. If in the course of that you notice one of them uh, is having a problem, do you not owe that person a duty to go with your colleagues to support them? That is the argument they are making, that... For them, they believe what you are doing in the courts as a government, and I'm using you as a government now, is persecution and not prosecution. And to the extent that what they see happening in the court is persecution against no mean a person than their leader, then they ought to go and solidarize with that person. Wouldn't you have done the same if you were in the same uh, scenario? Well, well, not exactly. Um, your duty to show solidarity does not necessarily mean that you are expressing the way they are expressing it. There are other civil approaches that could have been adopted. Well, you can say that it's a question of style, but also ask them, couldn't they have adopted a better alternative than what they are doing? These are questions, begging questions that they should be asking. Now, are they being more treated? Are they being, are the rules being banged against them? These are fundamental questions we should ask. Regardless of the number and the number of, of, of 
people have been arranged or MPs have been arranged, are there cases to be answered? Is the court, I mean, did the court go through due process? If all the, the requirements in terms of due process were respected, why would somebody say that I will boycott my constitutional mandate? Because a constitutional body is performing its constitutional mandate, so to speak. I think we should go beyond the political gymnastics and go beyond, uh, you know, the face value of it and ask critical questions. If all these three personalities you've, you've aforementioned are being treated fairly, are being treated legally, and they are due process by which they can register a protest if there is any, why would anybody want to check its constitutional mandate and say that that is the best way I can register my protest? I think it's far-fetched. Okay, and but, but I, you know I don't that, want to... But, but, you know, boycotts is part of parliamentary, uh, you know, the tools parliament MPs deploy to to protest over anything they feel they are not being treated well over. So what they are doing is constitutionally allowed, democratically allowed, isn't it? Even parliamentary allowed. Well, if you go into parliamentary uh, jurisprudence, nobody will say that uh, uh, a member is arraigned before court, and therefore I will boycott parliament. The person has been legally arraigned before court, and therefore you you are you are saying that you are going to boycott. Is that tenable? It is not tenable. Where has the rules been bent? Who has abused the rules? I don't think anybody has built court rules and court procedure. And therefore, it is not tenable. As long as they are, they, are, they are supposed to apply themselves to law and procedure, I don't think their action is tenable. Finally, you had on your side less than 30 MPs present today. You had nobody in court. You had no solidarity or so ever. You have 137 plus one. Yet you could only produce 26 people on your side. Do you not think that you should actually be taking the bigger blame? Because if you had got everybody on your side in the chamber, you could have continued to do business because there will be quorum? I don't know how long we have followed Parliament. That I disagree. I don't know who gave you the report. But if you follow parliamentary procedure, where we are learning from uh, other developed jurisdictions, Britain, Australia, and other places, you cannot get a full house every day. Don't forget. In our case, we have ministers who are MPs. I can tell you a whooping number of our colleagues who are gone on, on, or on the leave of absence for one reason or the other. Okay? So it is not the case that we are unable to produce our numbers. All the time that it matters that we have to pass a sensitive matter or we have a business to prosecute, we have prosecuted that to, to, to its latter. So for those who think that, okay, well, even your side, you didn't get a full house, and therefore you cannot complain about the untenable boycott or a boycott that is not, cannot be justified. I, I don't accept that. But you would still have to accept that if you had got all your, at least, I mean, half of your number in, in the chamber, you would have had business going. But for you to produce, no. and are you saying that you do not agree that 26 MPs on your side were in the chamber today, as has been reported by correspondents no, who covered. Well, well, I will check the records. Tomorrow's voting proceedings will reflect. Okay, but I'm saying that all the time that it matters that we should have our numbers, we have not come wanting. Okay, take the most developed parliamentary uh, 
you know, democracy that you can name and go through it, and you will realize that it is not possible to have everybody in the chamber every day. But but today, how many did you have it's on your possible. side? Well, I need to I need to refer the record. I need to look at the the voting proceedings and be able to call, to, to confirm. However, but we got all that we wanted to do. The business that I would agreed, the questions were answered as expected. We laid up the papers that we had to lay. The minister did the briefing that he had to do. And then there was also a, a, a statement that was presented by Jonabo Apiakubi. So all the programs that were for plan, all of them were duly executed. So okay. I don't see the difficulty here. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you. That is the Majority Chief with an MP for Nsaoma Dwejiri, Honorable Frank Ano Dompre. Uh, Dr. Clementa Park of Bulsa South sends me a message and he says, uh, we don't owe anyone an explanation as to how to decide to express our solidarity with our colleague or colleagues. No one can compel us to appear in the chamber. In any case, they are 137 plus 1, yet they had only 26 or so MPs in the chamber. We decide how we do what we do. So that's Dr. Clement Park. But let me go on that phone and speak to someone, Nate George. He's MP for Ningo Pram Pram. Um, Sam, you were at a court today, weren't you? Um, I wasn't at the court, but I joined in spirit. I later came to Parliament and joined the Public Accounts Committee. Okay, so you are the one who Frank Anodompre is targeting. He says, you boycott the sitting of Parliament, you said you are doing so in solidarity with your colleagues, and yet you quickly rushed to committee meetings. He hasn't said exactly what his suspicions are, but I'm sure for those who know how Parliament works, you know what he's pointing to. Why are you going for committee meetings and leaving Parliament? I don't impress you pay attention better next time in Parliament. Because when we served notice, we said we're going to boycott plenary seating. We didn't say we're going to boycott the business of Parliament. The business of Parliament includes plenary seating and committee meetings. And so next time you should pay attention. At times when we're talking, they don't listen. And so when they don't pay attention, then they set their own questions and answer their own, their own questions. We said we will boycott plenary. Every day that they, they, they take our colleagues or any of our colleagues to court, we would boycott the plenary setting, sitting, and we would not cooperate with them in, in the House. It is up to them. I mean, if the government decides that prosecution of an MP who has been duly elected twice in the space of three years by his people, it's not clear enough signal to them. And they want to persecute him. This is not a prosecution. It's a persecution. And the court think in the, the judiciary working in cahoots with the executive think that the best way to go about this is on a day-by-day process. When Namwan has not finished this prosecution almost four, five years after the, the, the government started that prosecution, when the Kwesi prosecution case is in limbo, but they think that they can prosecute Jachi Kwesing on a daily basis. We would not go to plenary any day that they, they, they take him to court. They have to live with it. But why, choose, but, but why choose plenary and not committee? Why not just the entire business of the day? Because at the end of the day, we are working for the Ghanaian people. We will not come and sit in plenary and help you get the numbers to do your government business. Government business which is even non-existent. Let's put it on record. Parliament has been sitting this about the eighth week or so that we've just ended. There's been no proper parliamentary business. And when you ask the Northern Prayer, why don't they have why don't they form quorum? 
It is because the MPP members of parliament have boycotted parliament and are running like little chickens behind their mother, Mahmoud Baumia. They are busy campaigning with Baumia and Kennedy Japon and Alan Tremanting and have abandoned parliament in its complete in its in its entirety. We say on the day where you take our colleague to court, we would stand in solidarity with him and boycott plenary. If there is a committee sitting at a time after the court hearing, we will take part in the committee sitting. But on a day where business of government is being done, government MPs on the government side have abandoned parliament and abandoned their committees and are running behind Baumia, lining up like ducklings behind the mother duck to endorse them. And they rather want to turn around and ask us why we are not in the chamber. We should come and sit in the chamber and help government do its business when the government MPs don't think that government has any sensible business to do in the chamber. I know Don Press should bring his MPs into the chamber and form quorum. It's a challenge we are throwing to him. He cannot do it. Because if he does it, he'll be seen to be helping Baumia's campaign. Because all the MPs have told their line and are following Baumia. He himself is a, is a Baumia campaigner, but he has also made the point that you should not, and I'm sure you have been in government before, you know that Government MPs rarely make time to be in the chamber, so 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 that is that is no. So, so so what excuse is that government MPs rarely make time to be in the chamber? Are you telling the constituents who queue to vote for them that they made an error of voting for them to be in government? No, no, no. I'm telling government MPs not to be in the chamber. Is it's a constitutional dictate? You made, many, you made no, MPs no. ministers, so they they have no, to no, go and serve but, their but, ministers. But, but that is why ministers are supposed to be able to to schedule their time enough to show faith in the chamber on a daily basis. The constitution says that if you miss 15 sittings of parliament without any excuse or any 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 plausible reason, your seat will be declared vacant. It doesn't give an exception to whether you are a member of parliament alone on the minority side or on the majority side or whether you are a minister of state. And by the way, out of the 137 plus one, how many of them are government ministers? And since you mentioned the 15 day, I'm just going to move in there now. Your you, your side risks losing 137 seats if you continue to be absent without approval from the speaker. He has already made a ruling on that. It appears you can't be bothered. We are daring everybody. If they like, they should declare all our 137 seats vacant and hold 137 by elections. Let's see what will happen in this country. Look, we must begin to stand up to the tyranny of power and tell the Akufuado government that they cannot determine what happens in the NDC and what happens in this country alone. They hold power in trust for us. So they should declare all the 137 NDC seats vacant. They should move a motion and declare it 137 seats vacant in this country. And let's see what will happen in this country. Are you not the president has, he, doesn't want to, he doesn't want to finish his term of office here. Are you not setting a bad precedent, Sam, that in the future if, if, if you're... The precedent if, being set here, Omar Rosanda, is the despotic persecution of a duly, two-time duly elected member of parliament by an intransigent president who is behaving like an overpumped sports kid because his wishes and tantrums in Asin North were not upheld by the people of Asin North. He would do whatever he would do, move hell and high water in connivance with persons in the judiciary, abuse the judicial process. That is what we should call the president out for. Tell me which act of corruption under Akufuado has he authorized his attorney general to go and start a daily prosecution of? He can't because he's the mother serpent of corruption. And we must call the president out and say that he who is supposed to, who was sold to us, 
it was sold to us as a defender of civil liberties, as a doing of the rule of law, has turned out to be worse than the, the most despotic military ruler Ghana has ever seen. He is a persecutor of civil liberties. He, is, uh, he, 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 he abuses the public institutions of state. We must call our president out and tell him to his face that he's a tyrant and a despot and say that we would arise up to him because that is what our national anthem enjoins us to do. It asks us to resist oppressor's rule. Akufuado will go down in the history of this country as the worst president and most undemocratic person in the history of our country. And we must resist him at every turn. If it means us losing 137 seats in parliament, they should, they should declare the 137 seats vacant. Let's have a by-election. After all, that will bring development, a lot of development to our 137 NDC constituencies because that's their stock in trade. They should declare our seats vacant quickly. And let's have by-election. Which means if you got on the 14th day of absence, you would not be seen in the chamber the following day because you are ready, you are ready to face the consequences of whatever happens, even though the speaker has warned you. The 137 of us have decided and are definite in our mind. We are not going to the chamber any day they take any of our colleagues to court and persecute them. They should eat the chamber. In the, fu- I mean, in the future, days, if you form a... 15 days, they mm. should declare our seats vacant. We'll have 137 by elections, but it will bring accelerated development to the 137 NDC uh, constituencies. They'll start fixing the roads in our constituencies. So they should go ahead. In fact, they shouldn't wait for the 15 days. After five days, they should declare our seats vacant. We'll contest the by election. In the future, if you form a government and you find the actions of some ministers of Akufado or any of his appointees unlawful or you believe seem to be unlawful and you start prosecuting them and they, they decide to pay you back in your own coins, you would not whine, would you? First and foremost, let us have notice. There are a number of them who will be prosecuted by the next Muhammad administration because of the stealing, blatant stealing that they are doing. So they should prepare for it. And don't, mes- don't mention names so that we can proceed. I won't mention names, Good. but they should begin mm. to renovate in Sawam because we will prosecute them. But that in itself would not mean that we will be as irresponsible as they are to abandon the work of parliament. And I hope to be a member of parliament and a member of government in the ninth parliament from 2025. But I would not abandon the duties Ningo Pram Pram have given to me to go and be running after a presidential aspirant like they are doing with Baumia. No, no, don't, 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 don't. I want you to focus on what you are doing. If they do same to you, you are not going to complain. They will have no basis because we'll be prosecuting in accordance with the law. Which is what they are doing in this particular instance. The the, the attorney general has powers. A daily trial of Jachikwesin. Can anybody give me the logic and the rationale for it? The High Court is what the High Court decided it, not the government. No, and the High Court the is the judiciary. only decided on the request of the Attorney General. Yeah, if you fail to make a counter argument that would be heard by the judge, and the judge decides to hear the other argument, that's up to we, you. You should we, blame we your, your, made, your legal made, team. We have, Umaru, we have made logical and legally sound counter-argument. It doesn't matter. The High Court found it wobbly. This persecution is is sponsored by the executive and the judiciary. Of course, the prosecution is always sponsored by the executive and the judiciary, but when you go to court, it leaves the the powers of the executive and now it becomes a judiciary's job. And I'm saying that I'm saying that you ought not be a co-sponsor of persecution. But if if you fail to be a fair arbiter 
No, but if and you so feel the judiciary must act as such, the judiciary of Ghana must act as such. But it if... must act as a fair arbiter and not as an appendage of the executive. That is what you see the judiciary. That's what you see the judiciary to be. Oh, not what I see. What Ghanaians see. Go take your microphones on the street and ask. Why is it that every time a CPI is done, the the competition for the most corrupt institution in Ghana is a struggle between the police and the judiciary? Ask yourself why. The judiciary should be doing introspection. Look, we need to begin to sanitize our institutions of state, and we can only do it when we begin to tell truth to them without fear or favor. All right. Thank you for speaking to us. That's Honorable Samuel Nate George. He's NDCMP for Ningo Pram Pram. Earlier you heard from Frank Anodompre, Member of Parliament for uh, Samuel Madwajiri. He's uh, the Majority Chief Whip. Let's talk about what is the reason the minority boycotted uh, the sitting today. Nashika. The trial of Asin North MP James Chachikwesen continued on Tuesday with a cross-examination of the first witness of the prosecution after weeks of attempt by lawyers of the accused to stay proceedings. Lawyers of the NDC legislature have filed proceedings at the Court of Appeal over a decision of the trial judge not to stay proceedings pending an appeal on the decision to hear the matter on a daily basis. He also invoked the supervisory jurisdiction of the Supreme Court to squash the June 16 decision to hear the matter on a day-to-day -day basis. But when the case was called on Tuesday, the Attorney General Godfrey Yabuadami indicated that none of the applications filed act as a say of precedence, nor compels the court not to continue with the hearing of the matter. The counsel for the accused, Chachu Chikata, then continued with cross-examination of the prosecution first witness. During cross-examination, Chachu Chikata posed questions to the fact that the accused was cleared by the Electoral Commission to contest the 2020 polls, despite a complaint before the commission on the accused holding allegiance to another country other than Ghana. But the witness, Richard Tichimensa explained that, to the best of his knowledge, the decision of the commission was based on information put before it by the accused. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka. In Accra, let's talk to you. let's talk about a clash that was recorded in Aquitia Line, a market in the Sokremanpo municipality of the Ashanti region. We are told that there was a clash today between persons who were contracted and they allegedly supposed to be land guards contracted by the assembly and uh, woodworkers in the market. Matthew Emisa is a presiding member of the Sokremanpo. Assembly. Mr. Emisa, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, thank you very much, sir. Did you follow the clash today? Yes, I was at, at the site. Oh, you were there. What happened? Right. Um, as one of the, you know, parts of the assembly, um, we are having some, you know, shops built in a certain area within the district. Um, the land, as we know, belongs to the state. And um, we know the assembly representative when it comes to the district. So um, we went there today to see, you know, how things are 
you know, going on, just to realize that those who are preventing the, um, the construction of the design to go on, um, one of them whom I know is a wood seller at the area, and his, you know, uh, um, people were preventing their work from going on, and there were other people who were also in support of the project who were also trying to, you know, prevent these people from stopping the work. So that is um, basically what happened over there. The people who were preventing the woodworkers from doing their business, who are they? They are not preventing them. At the moment, there is nothing like wood being sold at the place. They have already, you know, um, lived, they've left the place, the place is there bare, and um, we have decided to, you know, put up a PPP project over there. And that is, when they came in, you know, the case, they sent the case to court. The wood sellers, one of them sent the case to court. The case has been quashed, and the assembly is taking up, you know, the project that we intend doing over there. The assembly has not been prevented from, you know, putting up the structure. So I don't know why, you know, uh, uh, those people showed up. The case went to the case went to court. The court, you know, prevented or acquired this in the case, which means that we can go on to do whatever we, we, we are doing over there. So the assembly, so the assembly has permission to do what it was planning to do today. Um, the permit has to be given by the assembly itself. So what I mean, what, it, what I mean is that the assembly had clearance, court clearance, to do what it was yes, doing today. The case was passed. The case was passed. The, the assembly has not been said. So those woodworkers were supposed to move out. They have already moved out. There is nothing like wood sellers at the place at the moment. At this moment that we are talking, it's nothing like that. But um, the one who sent the case to court is claiming the area or the place is for him. So, so, so he um, brought his he went people. To court. He brought his people. Whether he brought him or whether he brought them or uh, um, whatever. So, so the people today, the people today, they are not woodworkers. Um, the woodworker, as I know him, was there, and then there were some people whom I don't know. Okay, who who the did the guy who, I knew? Him. Who did the assembly bring to help? You know, remove these people. They they, they are not there. They are the place is bare. Okay, who, who, did, who, did, who did the assembly come to the site with? Because the woodworkers we say... There, we came there alone. We were in our assembly minibus. We came there alone. About how many of you? Yeah, we, um, I think we were about um, 16 of us. You know, you know, you know we are 22. Assembly members? Them, yes, 16 assembly members. So it was assembly members who were there? The assembly members, we were there. Okay. But there were other people, as I was saying, you know, the, the crowd was large. But there are some of them who support, who are in support of the project. And then um, um, those who are also in, you know, against the project. Okay. So the guy came there. They earlier on came there before I saw the guy himself also coming there. Okay. Now, the allegation is that there were land guards. So you are saying that did not happen at all. Well, I did not see any land guard over there. The only people you went there with were your colleague assembly members. Our colleagues, and then you know there were a whole lot of people. People trooped in because they were trying to prevent the um, people from working. And then all of a sudden, I saw some people also coming in, telling them to allow the work to go on. But but how, so how did people get injured? Those who got injured, we had two yes, three um, people. Um, I was at the site itself, 
and then some of them run into, you know, an enclosed area with um, a wooden gate. Some of those people who were, you know, also supporting the project, I saw some of them rushing into that area. Then, you know, when you are standing far from uh, 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 where they entered, you could, you could see that it's in the roof. So I saw some of them climbing that it's in the, 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 the roof of the, the, those wooden, wooden structures. There are some slams, you know, that have been created over there. So but, but, you did, but you did not see who attacked who? I said I saw some people rushing in there, but I was at the side. If you ask those people, I was there. I was at the side. I was standing on the side trying to prevent, you know, the, some of the crash. Um, those people that I know belong to the other side came there, throwing things here and there, and then the other side also came in. You know, I have lived in that area for since my childhood, so they know me. They okay. know me. They know some of the even the assembly member over there. They also know him. So we were at the site, and then uh, uh, um, some of them rushed into the, the, the enclosed area where the, the, those wooden structures are. So at that moment, I saw some of them climbing the the, 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 the roof of those wood, wooden structures. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us. Eh? Thank you very much. That's yeah. Matthew Emisa. He's a presiding member of the Asokre Mampong um, Municipal Assembly. Let's speak to the MCE himself, the Honorable Kennedy can come. Uh, is a former MP and MCE for Asokre Mampong. Uh, Music Chair, good evening and welcome to Eyewitness News. What briefing did you get from what happened in Akwetia Line today, sir? Good evening, my brother. It has been a while, you know. Yeah, you are you are enjoying in Kumasi. You left us here in Accra alone. You are always invited to Kumasi. We you know, Asokre Mampong is now the airport municipal in Ashanti region. Oh, I'll come and for our, our new motto is the gateway to Ashanti region by air. I'll come for a plot of land around the airport, sir. That one, it is the that the lands commission, and or if it is a, it's, it's about it's about chieftains and land, it goes to the Mansia Palace. So, Koreman for Municipal Chief Executive does not give land to individuals. Okay, I hear. Please yeah. brief us on or, or share with us the information officially that you picked up from the Aquitia line today, sir. Well, uh, before I get to that point, he first came to me for me to sell the land to him. I said no. Then he went back and came back again. This time he came with money plus an amount that he wanted to sell the land. Who is, this? Who the is this he? Who is this he? I'm talking about he's a, he's a single person. This one, the situation that is happening there, it is not about the wood sellers there. It's an individual who is doing that. Called what? What's his name? So I just wanted. They call him Muhammad. That is, I haven't. Know, I don't know him from Adam. Okay. The day that he came to my office was the day that I saw him. That was the first time that I set an eye on him. When he came to convince me to sell the land to him, I said, "Look, I don't have the power to sell any land in, in, in Ghana here. It is either the Lands Commission who sells the state land or the Mensha Palace." Who said who said the school uh, or who gives two lands out? So he went back with came back with money to bribe me and at the same time pay for the land. I said, No, I'm not going to do that. He went back, he came back with some influential leaders, trying to convince me to buy into what he wanted me to do. I said no, I resisted. Then he went again. At this time when he was coming, he came back with some party officers trying to use them to lobby me to do the illegal thing that he wanted me to do. And I said, I will not do that. After failing all these four attempts, he resorted to the court. He went to Asoka Magistrate Court to file a court case against the Assembly. 
The land is almost 200 meters and he's claiming 70 by 40 feet. So when he went to the court and put injunction on the, that portion, we decided that the contractors or the workers should not work on that portion. They should work on the remaining land, parcel of land there, that is, to, to continue with the development. He, went, he further went again to where they were working, take some pictures, and cite the contractor for contempt. So we decided to wait for the court to determine the case. The case was determined by the judge at that time of the, of the case, and the whole case was dismissed and struck out of the court. Then he said that since the court's ruling didn't go to his into his favor, he's going to possess or he's going to take the state land by force. If you were to be the chief executive sitting at where I, I am now, will you allow that to happen for some in one individual to take the state land that is being used for a project that will benefit the whole municipality, the whole Kumasi and Ashanti and Ghana as well. Will you allow that to happen? I would resist. Of course. So that's why you did resist today, no, but... I didn't... No, no. Let me... I just, if I, I just want to make that point. So, I reported the case to the Ashanti Regional Police Command. Now, this is what the guy is doing. So when the workers went there, after the route, the case had been, had been thrown out, dismissed from the, uh, uh, from the, the, the court, he decided to engage some people to go and intimidate the contractors. So anytime the contractor do their setup, you go and just use his boys to go and destroy the, every setup that is going on. So at a point in time, he said he's going to appeal to the, the, the uh, to the law the, to the law court. At this time, he did not add the assembly to it. He did not add the assembly. This time, he sued the contractor alone. And the, the, the project too is a PPP. So since the assembly has not been taken to court, the assembly can use this works department to continue the project. So the assembly detailed the works department to go and continue the project. And he came there with some boys, numbering about 15, to, to, to threaten all the people there. So as a municipal chief executive who is in charge of the assembly task force and also in charge of the security, I decided to detail some assembly task force to go there and make sure that there is law and order within the place. Only for me to be, to, to be, my attention to be drawn to the fact that I have employed Langas to come and help me protect what belongs to the state. So the people you had there today were official task force members of the assembly. I have been to the task force yesterday. I gave them the briefing that they should make sure that there is, they protect the state property and also make sure they protect lives and property there. Today, I was in, an, in the, the, this, the municipal assembly meeting. Today was a general assembly meeting. I was in the general assembly meeting. So when the time was up for the, the assembly members to join us, I was meeting my management members before the assembly members would join. I saw that they were delayed. So when I inquired, they said the assembly members have gone to the project site and they are there to sort matters out. So, so I didn't know what happened. So just after the general assembly meeting, they gave me the briefing that this is what happened. Something has happened there, and the report was given to me. So before I can give you official report, I have to wait for okay. the security or the, the police who is in charge of that jurisdiction to give me a, a, an official report before I can speak.
that. That's fair. Whatever happened there, I wasn't there. Okay, that's fair. So that one, I'm sorry, I can't give you eyewitness news. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I, I see what you just done there. All right, thank you so much. But in the meantime, um, you can assure us that the land is protected by your assembly, and not by any individual hired for for that job. No, no, no. That one is the assembly that is in charge. Even I have already reported a matter to the Ashanti Regional Police Command. And the regional CIA. Oh, apologies. We lost the municipal chief executive there. Unfortunately, that's where we also have to end the conversation. He's the MCE for Sokrema and Ponderable Kennedy, can come a former member of parliament. Uh, this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Um, we have a few more stories before we go for Point Blank. On Point Blank tonight, my guest, well, the race for the NPP primaries in orphan constituencies is on. My guest tonight wants to go to Parliament using the route of Ablekuma Central. We'll have a conversation with Jefferson Sakin, but before then, Nashika has some stories. Right now, producers of Fritol, Fortune Rice, and other products, Wilma Africa has donated to the office of the National Chief Imam to Climax, the organization's special Eid charity drive. The gesture was hinged on Wilma Africa's commitment to strengthening its relationship with the Muslim fraternity. Speaking at a brief presentation ceremony at the Chief Imam's residence in Accra, Marketing manager for Wilma Africa, Rabna Ikuya Idwise, acknowledged the unflinging support of the Zongo community to the Wilma brands while expressing gratitude for same. We are here to celebrate Climax uh, Aid celebration with the Muslim community. We do this yearly, and for this year, what we sought to do was to engage the Zongo communities within Accra, Kumase, and Takade. We did total um, 15 um, Zongo communities, and we climaxed it last week. So since we have finished with all the cooking activations and celebrating the Eid with the Muslim community, we decided to pay this courtesy call to the chief imam and also to thank him for his spiritual support for uh, Ghana as well as leading the Muslim communities. And the Muslim communities form an integral part of our customer base. And as you know, for Wilma, we have rice and oil, which um, form um, a basic um, ingredient for most of our um, dishes that we cook, be it wachi or mutu or even rice, uh, plain rice dishes that we have. And so for a joyous occasion like this, that uh, families will come together to eat and to make merry, we decided to be part of this um, joy of eating. And that is the reason why we were part of the entire it um, celebration and climaxing it today by visiting the chief in You heard Rabna Ikuya Iduse, who is the marketing manager of Wilma Africa. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Siza. Let's settle for the details. The Monetary Policy Committee has commenced meetings to review the economy. The meeting, which is the 113th, will also come out with the monetary policy rate, which is of keen interest to businesses, as it determines the rate at which Ghana lends to commercial banks and subsequently influences interest rates on loans. The central bank added its last MPC meeting 
meeting in May this year maintained a monetary policy at 29.5%, the MPC meetings will conclude with a press conference on Monday, July 24, 2023, to announce the decision of the committee. The reason being the domestic debt exchange that the government had to undertake. As you are aware, most of the assets on the bank's books are lending to government in, in various uh, instruments. So there has been a lot of work being done by the auditors in trying to uh, assess the impact of the exchange uh, on the books of the bank. And as we recently pointed out, we had to write to the Minister of Finance of, of, of the delay. As you're aware, again, the domestic debt exchanges and uh, was it last week, the cocoa bills and the dollar-denominated bills, they, they were only settled last week. So all of these have an impact on the Bank of Ghana's account. I can confirm that we will make a significant loss in 2022. You have the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison. Away from that, financial experts have issued a stern caution to the government regarding the looming resurgence of discussions on domestic debt restructuring in the forthcoming years if proactive measures are not promptly implemented to effectively manage the country's debt. In light of this warning, these experts have strongly advised policymakers to prioritize the consideration of long-term strategies that emphasize sustainable economic growth and debt reduction. Lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Professor Lord Mensah, is one of the notable voices on the matter. Another problem that we may have to look at is how we have clustered the maturities of the debts that we are restructuring. If you look at it carefully, most of them are maturing, you know, within some three-year space. And um, if we don't take care as a country, we may get to that time and then we may find ourselves in trouble. So if you ask me, you know, the possible benefits and objectives, I would say that the objective is to reduce the burden on the balance sheet of the government, and then also possibly to get the I mean, support of the IMF so we can have that credibility to assess international markets. That was a lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Professor Lord Mensah. The Director General of the Securities and Exchange Commission has emphasized the need for an integrated capital market on the African sub-region. He explains that such an integration will offer a diversified avenue for investors which will con contribute to the overall development of the continent. And that's it for City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. It's 20, 26 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado. Tonight on Point Blank, the new patriotic party has opened the doors for people who want to be MPs in constituencies that the party currently doesn't have sitting MPs to file and contest. We call it the orphan constituencies. 
So that process will happen before the election of um, persons hoping to be MPs in constituencies that they have sitting MPs. One such constituency, which is orphan, is Ablekuma Central constituency. It was held by the NPP's Ebenezer Nati, and he lost out in 2020. The NDC has that seat now. So the NPP has to look for a candidate. A number of people want to be the NPP's torchbearer there, including the former MP. But one person who's emerging now, and if you go to Abosoka to buy spare parts, because the roads are bad, you see a number of his posters there. He was a journalist, he was a deputy director of communications at the Jubilee House. And his name is Jefferson Saki. You're welcome. Umaro, How are you? Good to see you. I'm well. Yourself? I'm okay. Anytime I interview <laughs> journalists who transition into politics, I ask them, so me too, when will I join? When will I join? Would you advise me to stay or I should, I should come? Well, if your vision and ambition is to lead, I think it is important that at a point in time, it is also depends on whether it is a calling or not. I mean, if you, if you, if you look at a situation, you do journalism for quite some time, you realize that leadership is very important, obviously because of the stories we do. And we have a clearer view of both sides of the story. Uh, like you're talking about Abu Sukhain right now. I mean, I'm sure when you go there right now as a journalist, whatever you're going to see, you would be um, you know, envisioning you know, as a leader, mm. how, would you, how would you want those roads constructed and all those things. So mm -hmm. I think that transitioning from journalism you know, into politics, I would always advise people. And I think it is a, there's a clear, clear line you know, between the two. Uh, it is very easy to transition from journalism into politics, obviously, especially into parliament, because obviously you are going to represent your people you're going to be the voice of the people, the people that you've been reporting, you know, you know, stories from their constituencies and from their villages and, you know, from their hamlets and all that. So it gives you a better understanding of situations on the ground and how to find ways and means of resolving them. How do you deal with being accused of having been biased when you're doing the job? Because when you're doing the job, you don't bear any tag. But the moment you decide you're running on one party ticket or another... The, the the suspicion is that oh so all this world is what he was doing how how do you clean your image of that tag that would be put on you after the facts for me i think i was quite lucky because um when i started journalism in 2003 back in tv africa and the style Charlie, of journalism you old for this job inside <laughs> 2003, I was, I was in GSS3. Okay. Yeah, my style of journalism was basically, uh, you know, traveling outside the shores of our country. You know, then Liberia, Sierra Leone was in the process of, you know, ensuring that they have peace. And so traveling to those countries gave me a better view and idea of how, you know, politics should run. Because in all those cases, it was politics that divided those nations. And so I would say that I found myself in a very, very good position to be able to have a very good exit plan. Um, if tomorrow, for example, I want to transition then into, into mainstream politics, how I would want things done, what are really the needs of the people, uh, what, 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 is, what, does, what do the people see as important and not important? And I think those were the things that was able to, to help me in one way or the other. And so when I decided to do you know, uh, politics, uh, I don't think there was a, there was a sharp exit 
from journalism to politics for me. Okay. Uh, because immediately I left Television Africa. You know, I got an appointment as a public relations officer for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Uh, obviously because of the stories that I was doing in all those countries. This uh, was what, Kufu's time? Or? Yes, this was um, uh, President Jay Kufu's time. Okay. Um, then, you know, Foreign Minister Nana Adodankwe Kufu now President of the Republic. Okay. And um, he found it, me, you know, worthwhile to come and work in the ministry, obviously to be propagating the agenda of governments, po foreign policy and all that. And I, I was able to transition that into that. And so after many years of following him, and in 2008, seven thereabouts, when he decided to run on the ticket of the New Patriotic Party to be a, a presidential you know, candidate, mm -hmm. um, I think I resigned from the foreign ministry and joined him on, the, on the political campaign trail. Uh, obviously, to use my skill as a journalist to tell the story of the New Patriotic Party, because then, you know, John Ejokum, before the president, had received, had achieved so much in terms of the national health insurance scheme, the, you know, free Metro maternal health care, Metro Mass, NHIS. the NHIS, the, mm. the, the, the policies were quite, you know, tremendous. So and you were so wild and you, you, you were, you were wounded. But the question would be, were you a politician before you went to work for Akufado or he convinced you to become a politician or he en en motivated you to become a politician? I, I think it's quite, it's a motivational thing. You know, his style of politics was quite unique, you know, for me. Um, the way he speaks, the way he he used to convince people as a foreign minister, his negotiating powers and skills. You know, I was in one such, you know, summit in Addis Ababa, the Sudanese crisis, the way he, he was able to woo the opposition, to agree to a, to, to a ceasefire and all that. It, it gave me some kind of, you know, hope in politics that if you study hard and if you are very diligent with your work and if you you know, take your job seriously like he does, there is a way that you can succeed. Mm. And so, you know, I'm not surprised that in, in he was able to, you know, achieve everything that he wanted to achieve as president. I see. Did you grow up in a political home or politics is something you, you learned and joined in school? How, how did your love for politics yeah, start? Yeah, I, th I think my love politics for politics, um, it came naturally. Obviously, from many years of traveling. So around. your home, they are not political? No, no, no. My home is not political at okay. all. Um, in fact, for my father, he was away for a while to Nigeria in the okay. 1983s when, uh, remember, the, the hunger, hunger crisis okay. and all that. Yes, my mom was a very religious person uh, at a point in time, you know. Uh, she, she became a single, you know, parent, mm -hmm. you know, taking care of us. Um, reading the newspapers every every morning and all those things, you know, give me a clearer idea that, you know, I would want to be a journalist. And there, obviously there were people who also motivated me along the way. But uh, talk of political home, obviously not. I mean, it, it wasn't a home that was quite political. I see. It was actually the profession that, you know, drew me drew into, into politics. Po I see yeah. So, so Akufado then is your, like, your role model or mentor Yes, he or is my mentor in politics um, uh, and, and he still is. Uh, obviously, because of his resilience and, and everything that he does, he's been able to instill in us the being able to withstand, mm -hmm. you know, perseverance, you know, let people say you can't do it. Stand on your feet, be strong and know that if you are very, very committed and consistent, 
with whatever you're doing, you are able to achieve whatever you want to achieve in life. So what's your connection to Ablekuma Central, the constituency you are seeking to represent? Well, I, I grew up in Ablekuma Central constituency. Um, I lived in New Russia as a child mm-hmm. uh, back then, serving Great Princess Academy is the school that I started my, you know, uh, preparatory school, mm-hmm. um, class one, class two, class three, and then I was moved to Reese Memorial School in Dan Soman. Um, we lived in Matahiku Trotro Station, where my mother was a Fantike in Kisela, uh, known as, you know, Mami Fante, and then also to the Matahiku uh, Messi Clinic area. And then when I started work at TV Africa, I was actually living in Latebio Koshi Blacksmith area where, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go to TV Africa, you do your presentations and all that. Even when I was, you know, working in the foreign ministry, that was where I was living. And this is where I've been all these years. And I've spent 30 years of my life, in, you know, in Latebio Koshi. So uh, this is this is where life began and this is li- where life has brought me. But I think by the constitution, you can contest in a constituency you currently live in or a constituency you heal from. Yes. Um, usually people look at the two and see which one is easier. You think where you are living now is easier to win than where you hail from? Yes, ov- obviously yes, because I mean, I've lived all my life in Latabiakoshi, you know, Mataiko blacksmith areas, and this is where I am known. Obviously, the only change was that, you know, when government gives you a certain appointment, you know, if you're your your appointment sometimes you are able to get a government bungalow i was able to get a bungalow in cantonment and of course so i transitioned between uh, my blacksmith residence in Latabia you ran away and left and them no obviously not i mean mm. it, 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 it's easier you know looking at the president's schedule sometimes his morning starts as early as you know 5 so 30, you have to be 6 a.m you have to be closer and all that mm. but obviously everything that you need to do in your constituency these are the things that really so do why matter. do you want to go to parliament for Ablekuma Central, is it because you are afraid that you cannot break the eight, so you want to secure your job, or there's something in your heart that you think the people of Ablekuma Central would uh, get if you represented them? What is the problem in Ablekuma Central you are seeking to cure? That's what I mean. I think my constituency is is one of the most important constituencies in the Greater Accra region. If you look at the voter population, you are looking at um, over 124,926 or so, mm-hmm. you know, voter population. Um, it has some of the most important areas, electoral areas like Abusukai where a constituency or an electoral area that has been very instrumental in you know the economic development of the region and so i think that the constituency needs a very strong voice in parliament someone who is able to advocate you know their problems be able to catch the eye of of parliament at any given point in time if you look at the welfare of the people of ablikma central Obviously, majority of them, you know, if you go to areas like, uh, you know, New Russia, Sukura and all that, engaged in petty trading and all. So I think it is important that we have a strong representation in parliament, someone who will be able to, you know, speak for them, stand for them, um, be able to negotiate well and good so that at the end of the day, whatever is needed in those areas, they are able to get it. And what I'm doing now, or what I've been doing over the years, is all about their welfare. And that has been my commitment. Uh, obviously, not because you, you want to break uh, the, the fear of breaking the aid, or of, of course that can never be you know, the case. But I, I strong, strongly believe that uh, at any given point in time, you know, God finds a way of transitioning you, you know, from one position to the other. 
and I see this new role, this new position as a calling to be able to use all the experiences that I've been able to gather in my life of journalism, uh, serving at the office of the president, to be able to serve my, my people and my constituency. I see uh, this new position or this new role or this new bold step as a way of paying back, you know, to uh, the people, you know, that raised me up. I mean, through them, I've been able to, you know, go through the necessary education. God has lifted you to wherever he wants you to be. And I think it is important that I, I represent them and be the voice of the voiceless in Ablikuma mm. Central. So, so still, I just want to be sure, specific tangible problems that you can point to in Ablikuma Central and see. I have lived here for 30 years. I see that A is not good. A has been has been bad for all these years. B has been constantly a problem. C, and when I go into parliament, or if I go to parliament, I'm hoping to change these things. Do you have some tangibles? You have yes, one is the welfare of our people. You know, a chunk of them, majority of them live in Where welfare poverty. means what? Welfare, you know, getting them, you know, good access to good roads. Mm. Um, a lot of the roads in Ablikuma Central, if you go into areas like Botwi, uh, the new Russia areas, it looks very deplorable. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you go into those areas and you ask yourself whether you are really, really uh, in Accra. Mm -hmm. uh, I think over the past four years or so, I mean, we've not seen much development in Ablikuma Central constituency. Obviously, like you said, yes, um, we've held the seat for quite a while. Uh, unfortunately, in the last election, we lost it to the, to the National Democratic Congress. But uh, I don't think the current member you're of in parliament government. has been able to do much. Yeah, but you're in government. It is ultimately your duty as government to fix our roads. You have declared year of roads twice. Mm -hmm. You should be the last person telling us that the no, roads but you in, see, in, the, the, in Shukura the, the, the and, reality, and Russia are The bad. reality also is that you need a good representation in parliament. Remember that you need, every, a, you need a government every, that has everything an that goes, view. Everything that goes into parliament mm. obviously is approved by parliament, mm. of, of course. So if you don't have a member of parliament who is able to advocate when the minister of roads bring you know, some key roads into parliament and you realize that your area, which is in very deplorable condition, mm. is not in there, uh, it means you are not a good or advocate. Or if you are a vindictive government that says, let's punish the people of Ablikuma Central for refusing to give us a seat. He's an NDC guy. Let him stay there. You will not, check, will not send check, him check the records. I think a lot of the construction, you talk about gutters and all those things that were done in Ablikuma Central constituencies were all done in our time. Mm. You know, when Okuli Note was a member of parliament, when uh, Ebenezer Nete was a member of parliament, I mean, all these constructions were done. You know, during the time of the of our political party, of our, mm -hmm. our political tradition, mm -hmm. so it is a matter of having a good representation in parliament. And I I have a, a different view and a different idea of being a member of parliament and relying on government to do everything. I mean, I think members of parliament should find innovative ways, um, local and international. You know, of bringing development to their people. What that innovative the local and international way would Jeff, you know, deploy if he were elected MP for that area, where you will not go knocking at the door of the Minister of Roads? I think the, the various, you know, connections that I've built over the years as a journalist and also as a media person, um, God has been good, you know, traveled around the world. You come and build, build a road for you build, when they don't build. have a tool or no, anything? No, 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 it's, it's, about, it's, about, it's not just about roads sometimes. It's mm -hmm. about even educational, you know, policies for your people, for the youth in your constituency to be able to travel outside, 
you know, acquire the necessary knowledge and bring it back to your constituency. And so if you look at the policies that I'm, I'm putting together, one of them is being, you know, connecting the youth of Ablikuma Central, you know, internationally, you know, getting them, you know, the necessary scholarships that would be able or uh, enable them to travel outside the country, acquire knowledge and come, you know, obviously international exchange programs here and there. I think these are some of the innovative ways that we can introduce. And I will tell you that uh, if I look at my contemporaries who've transitioned from journalism into into parliament, I think they've, they've done quite well. I can mention Kojo Ponkruma, you know, uh, Suhini and all those guys. It, it should tell you something that, you know, that transition is always a very good one. Being, being, being the voice of the people, being able to advocate for them, being creative and finding innovative ways on bringing development. Okay. So, Rhodes, one of your major concerns, what other things do you identify in the constituency as being a problem that you want to fix? You know, um, the, the other thing is about health, okay? Um, you look into Ablikuma Central. Remember that it only became um, a municipal in 2019, in February 2019. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of development, you know, has to happen, and we've started, you know, a lot of things on the ground. Um, healthcare is also very important. One of the key things that I think I would want and advocate is that we are able to get real health institutions into Ablikuma Central that will help the people. Do you have and none now? Yeah, no, we, we have a few of them, mm. a few of them, but not in very, very you know, good condition, a lot of them being privately owned and all that. But I'm looking at you know, hospitals and clinics that will be able to you know, support the people in one way or the other. I think the First Lady you know, has done quite a number of uh, donations to you know, a lot of these hospitals and clinics that we have around. But expanding it and making it quite you know, you know, um, accessible to the people is very important to the people of Ablikuma Central. Flooding in Mataiko, Kanishi, Abosokai, and other areas is someone's concern, someone who lives in your constituency. says construction of roads and gutters have halted after Eben lost the seat. Youth unemployment is high in the constituency and that... Okay, let me not read the last part. But yeah, these are the key things that the person yeah. has sent through. What would you, what would you say yeah, to that? Yeah, I think th those are the things that I also hammered on. That, I mean, ever since, you know, we lost the, the, the elections uh, in Ablikuma Central, we've not seen massive, uh, much development in there. You wanted to the, punish the, the many, people. The many developments that we, we are seeing in Ablikuma Central constituency are development that the New Patriotic Party, you know, you know put, put up. Mm. And so it is about time that we are able to, you know, paint Ablikuma Central blue. Your, your man who led you into victory in that constituency still wants to run, remove him. I think it is important, um, if you look at the statistics, it is important that we are able to, you know, consolidate our gains, um, get a representation that the people would really, you know, rally behind and, you know, support. Um, I can tell you confidently that we have a lot of, you know, people not happy in areas like Abusukai, like Matahiko, and all those areas. I think that, you know, interpersonal relations is very to, you know, be somber and listen to the plight. I think what we need now is a candidate who will be much more appealing, not only to uh, members or supporters of the, the new patriotic party, but also somebody who will be appealing to the opposition because elections in Ablikuma Central are always very close. And so if you have a candidate, for example, in the NDC who is able to appeal 
quite appealing to people in the MPP. They are able to get, you know, quite a number of, you know, your people voting for them. And so you need a candidate who would be appealing more to, you know, apart from your political tradition, you know, appealing to the NDC and all that. And I can tell you that, yes, uh, I, I hold those qualities. Mm. Um, I've been able to be lis- to listen to the people um, talking about listening to the people, down to the people and then doing to, what they talking do. about listening to them what's the ethnic makeup of your constituency it's quite predominantly um if you look study quite well you realize that Akans are quite a lot you okay. know in the elections itself but we we have a mixture you know of people about 23 settlements in mm-hmm. Ablikuma central constituencies if in the constituency if you go into the Shukura area for example a chunk of them from the northern part of the country if you mm-hmm. come to Matahiko areas it is made up of more Akans Adjembu, more Akans, Latebiokoshi a mixture and of course Latebiokoshi because you know it's very close to the Kolibu teaching hospital right mm-hmm. so you are able to so there's a mixture. Ga, there's of course, Hausa, and obviously there's Ga, Hausa, Tri, you speak all these Ga. languages? I speak Ga very fluently, okay. I speak Tri very fluently of um, traditionally a fanti and all okay. that the, so speak, oh, okay, yeah, so, yeah, okay. Those someone <laughs> has sent a message um where's that message he says um ask jeff why he doesn't have npp printed on his posters that's a message from Siemens. ah which of the posters npp uh, post uh, is is all over my posters oh, i really? don't know which one i'm uh, talking about your I, posters. I think i think the hmm. i i had an information that the uh, the volunteers of abusukai have done some posters for me and they've posted it all over in, in Ablikuma Central constituency. And I think I got hint of this particular, you know, information. And they told me that obviously they did those ones when, you know, campaigning hadn't started. Mm. So they were quite they didn't want careful you to not be to... Caught. Yes. Where's the money the from? Because your posters are plenty and big in the constituency. Where did you get the money from? We uh, gave you so a far, job as deputy. You were working I, at the just a few years I ago. I think so far, I've not done posters myself. Seriously? So far, yes. So, so the posters are by who? No, no. Uh, uh, volunteers of Abu Sokai. Identify people we can find? Oh, of course. Ah, the if OSP says, oh, and all that. If the OSP says, I want you to show me proof that this boy, and they can, they can show us that. Yes, and, and, and funny enough, I mean, they bought my, my first, you know, form, you know, for me. Uh, yesterday, you know, from the party office in order to be able to contest, you know, on the ticket of the NPC. So yesterday. far, how much money have you spent in the campaign? Uh, myself, I think um, I'm yet to start spending. Okay. Um, what so I've, what have what you I've done, done so far, of, uh, what I've done so far is be able to, you know, get to the people, look into their welfare. There are quite a number of policies that I've put in place. Uh, the most important that I identify the welfare of the people. You know, within our political tradition, I think that apathy played a, a key role, you know, us losing the 2020 elections. Um, I went on the ground and realized that the welfare of our people is not very, very, you know, in a very, very, you know, stable condition. And so I instituted the welfare support program where in each and every electoral area, there are seven electoral areas in Ablikuma Central constituencies, I was able to commit some funding uh, that become, you know, basic, you know, funding mm. so that in a political party, sometimes you have contributions that you pay every month, mm. 10 CDs, 5 CDs, something that can be a top okay. up for the people and all that. When so, the land around the Odor in your constituency was cleared, we're told that, and I'm referring to the Agubuloshi area, mm-hmm. we're told it's going to be one of the Agenda 111 projects. I've been driving past there. I've not seen even foundation being dug. I think it's been, we're still being worked on. You know, the it's Agenda agenda 111 project is all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about two, three weeks ago, the Ministry of Information came out with, you know, clear, you know, evidence of 
a lot of the constructions that are ongoing. Mm. So obviously it is a process. It is started somewhere. It's obviously going to get to okay. the Abu You are from well. Abu, you, you are from Abosokai area. You are from Ablikuma Central. The people yeah. of Abosokai they import a lot of spare parts. Mm -hmm. The importation of the spare parts is dependent on how the city is doing. Yeah, they have suffered because of Akufado government's failures in handling the dollar. You work closely with Akufado. In fact, your door is next to his door. You work on the same the same building, Jubilee House, for all these years. How are you going to explain to the people that they should allow you to represent them when the dollar is beating the city in their pocket and making things difficult? When you brought your first budget, you said Asempa budget. You told the people that oh, you've cut off taxes and all of that. Now they are crying. Remember, I mean, our country, Ghana, is not the only nation that is going through this. Uh, all over the world it is happening. In South Africa, if you clearly remember, just a few weeks ago, light out all over the place. Mm. The dollar is is, is is in that same you know position as the city. You know, that's what you would that tell struggle, them. That right. struggle, that struggle. No, but I, th I think the people of Abosukai, uh, interestingly, quite a number of them are pretty much aware of the global economic crisis that is happening right now. And so, if you t remember, these are the same people who always vote for our tradition, mm. right? The most important thing is that uh, our party. Our government has been able to do quite a number of things, you know, for the people of Abosokai, and they, they will testify to it. What it is important for us as a government and as a people is that we are able to propagate, you know, this information quite clearly for them, that they are able to see the many, many things and interventions that government is putting in place to ensure that the city, you know, comes back to normal. And of course, you know... You use the word propagate. Are you sure you can really communicate your way into this election? Of you are course. a communications person and yeah. you are deputy communications director. You are sure Very that sure. you have any message to communicate at all? You are not shy to talk to Ghanaians? No, not at all. Really? Because Ghanaians are pretty much aware of the many, many... Messes you know, you've created. Mental, no, never messes. Mm. What, what, how do you term messes? Do mm. you term the oh, implementation of the money. implementation them of the many, you know, road constructions that you are seeing in this country. I don't know of any government that has constructed roads like this government has done. Mm. I don't know of any. I also don't know of any government that has taken people's money in the banks that they are going to keep safely. And I don't know of any government that went through the terrible global economic crisis that, that we're seeing now. Mm. So uh, many that, governments uh, are above water. Yours is, you are stop you and the submarine. Never, doing never, never. I think we've, we've, we're doing the best we can. What mm. I can assure you, as somebody who is able to see the projection that government is doing and putting in place, mm -hmm. uh, it is a projection of hope. Uh, within the next few months, everything is just going to come back to normal. Okay. And I'm very confident. You have a president who, 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 who doesn't sleep who is on the neck of his ministers, ensuring that everything is put in place and put in its right place. Uh, things are just going to be okay. All right. It's, it's just a we pray so. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jefferson Saki, NPP parliamentary candidate hopeful, Ablekuma Central, a journalist who was run into politics. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Point Blank. Ubaru, thanks for having me. My name is Umaru Sandama. The production tonight by Beverly London, Kobna Wilson, and Sami Wiafi. Technical support from Daniel Squashi and Edwin Kwakofi handled the new media side of things. Thank you for listening. Eyewitness News returns tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Have a good night.
City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.